0: What's up, everybody? Yes, it is I once again, your host, Joshua DeYoung, coming in hot with a stimulating new episode of Do You Mind? So we're like a month into this quarantine now, and uh, it's really starting to wear on some people. It's starting to show. And some of y'all are getting a little mean, and I think you should cut it out. And we're going to talk all about that, and I'll suggest some helpful alternatives to give you a little more peace of mind throughout this troubling time. All that and more coming up next. Next, next, next. So I'm doing something a little different this episode. I actually went ahead and sat down at a computer and just typed up everything I was gonna say beforehand verbatim and uh yeah just uh just a little something different trying it and uh let, let, let me know what you think. So uh, after this, from this point on, this, this is all unscripted, but from this point on, everything I say is going to be pre-written down, premeditated, and and uh, I hope it works out like better than usual. But we'll see. We're trying it. All right. So yeah. Enjoy. So I'm typing this out on an actual keyboard because it makes me feel like I'm doing something. Because a computer is for getting work done and my phone is just for screwing around and checking my Facebook and playing games that are just fun enough to keep my attention, but not really rewarding anymore after playing them for too long. Uh, and there is something different about the mood it sets when I have the computer out in front of me. It's like it takes me back to when I was writing papers in high school. I always felt the pressure of the that little blinking line just sitting there taunting me like, Well we're waiting and i'm actually pretty fast at typing too thanks mavis beacon i still use the home row and everything that's what those little notches are in the keyboard for kids (sighs) some of you don't even know what i'm talking about because you only use your touch screen on your phone i don't know there's something nice about the physical keyboard it's it's tactile Like on my phone, I just use that swipe to type thing, and it's really easy and convenient, but I feel like it makes me lazy. Like it does all of my punctuation and spelling correction for me. You know, typing is almost like a meditative practice. You have to hit every key precisely and check for mistakes yourself. And when I'm trying to get the thoughts out as fast as I'm having them, it makes me want to type faster, and I actually have to focus on it more, and I get lost in the flow of it. And it's actually quite exhilarating. So like I said, this also reminds me of staying up late, writing essays for class. I heard somewhere that people who wait for the last minute and cram all the work in get addicted to the rush that comes with it. Uh, It makes sense. Like, it's part of the fun. And I always felt like it somehow aided my brilliance, or at least that's what I told myself and my teachers. Uh, It also allows me to look at the words and edit them as I go along to communicate my point as effectively as possible. Uh, I've tried going off notes in the past, assuming I'd remember exactly what I was thinking about at the time. Excuse me, my cat's playing DJ on the computer right now. Maverick! This is what he does. He sits on the keyboard and makes beats. So anyway, like I was saying, uh, I've tried going off notes in the past and just assuming that I'd remember exactly what I was thinking about at the time, and that's why I often have ideas that sound really good in my head, but never seem to come out quite right. Like, I can get the idea across, but it's always in a sloppy, roundabout way that you can kind of take little things from as you go along and piece together yourself, and that's I'm not mad at myself for doing it differently before, but I feel like it kind of does a disservice to the listener. Like if I'm putting something out there, I want it to be something that I know will really contribute positively to your life in as big a way as possible. So I don't want to be, I don't want to put the burden of deciphering and using my roundabout ramblings to fall squarely on the listener. This is all still fairly stream of consciousness as I'm typing it out, but I'm doing it in a more concrete way, so that helps. So we're officially almost a month into this quarantine now, and I'm starting to get a little stir-crazy. And I see all out there too, all cooped up and anxious about it. Uh, I know a lot of people are struggling financially due to the lack of work right now. People running small businesses are in danger because they don't know when they'll be able to open their doors again. And uh, most importantly, people are dying every day. So this can be a very stressful time to be alive right now. And uh, by the way, if you're having a time with it at all, please hit me up. I'm always down to chat uh, whenever, with whoever. I mean, we're quarantined. I haven't got much else going on. Uh, Anyway, the point is... These are trying times, and uh, some of y'all are taking it out on each other. We were already in the middle of a heated election year, and now that tensions are even higher and everyone's at home with nothing better to do but get into debates in the comments section, some of y'all are at each other's throats. I mean virtually, not physically. People are like, Oh, you're lucky we gotta stay six feet apart or I'll beat your ass right now. (sighs) People are so much tougher online, too. And some take it to extremes. I mean, let me start off by saying that I will never unfriend anybody for having a differing opinion. If you disagree with me, that's fine. We can talk about it, though. I want to know why you think what you think and see if I can't convince you to see things from my point of view. If not, change your views to align with mine. And I'm also open to changing my own perspective. I've been uh, doing spending a lot of time thinking about uh, what I believe and why, because you know so often I put it to the test against different ideologies, and uh it has changed a lot over the years already now that I'm almost thirty, yikes, I feel like I've kind of settled into the sweet spot that I'll more or less be in for the rest of my life, but I try to be very understanding of all perspectives and understand people's journey and how they reached those conclusions so That's why I allow people to say whatever you want on my Facebook page. The way I see it, you're all adults and you can say whatever you want. I'm not here to censor anyone. I might tell you why you're wrong, or at least offer an alternative point of view to consider, but I won't tell you you can't say anything. And some of you, not going to name names, take that liberty to the extreme! I mean, name-calling, comments about each other's intelligence, and all around just vicious bashing. Someone calls snowflake, another responds with bootlicker, and it all devolves into playground antics, and nothing productive is accomplished, aside from maybe a slight bump up in your blood pressure. Yay! So this is why civil, civil discourse is such a hot commodity these days, and really, the only way that anything actually gets solved. In politics, the opposing parties just seem like they're always trying to steamroll each other, but we actually have to agree on something in order to get it done. And sometimes the simple act of civility can change even the most stubborn of minds. A great example of this is a story that I heard recently on an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience, and that's the story of Daryl Davis. Now, Daryl Davis was a black musician that attended KKK rallies for over 30 years, starting in the 80s. And over the course of that time, he got over 200 members to ditch their robes. How did he do it? Well, I'll tell you all about it after a brief word from our sponsor. Stick around! Now, as I mentioned before, Daryl Davis was a career musician. Uh, He's performed with B.B. King, Chuck Berry, uh, Muddy Waters, and the list just goes on and on. In fact, music was... What consistently brought him together with white supremacists throughout his life. Uh, he didn't even know what racism was until he was 10 years old. Uh, he was playing in a marching band when a bunch of white people came out and started protesting. They were yelling awful things and throwing food and trash at the kids. And Daryl thought at first that he'd done something wrong. And it wasn't until later that it was explained to him that these people simply hated him because he was black. This brought up a question that he carried with him his whole life. Why do you hate me when you know nothing about me? So, Dale continued to play music as he grew up, and eventually he earned his bachelor's music degree at Howard University, which actually isn't very far from where I'm at right now. Uh, I've actually been there a few times, uh, canvassing. Um, Anyway, so he starts performing at different venues around town and One night, he's playing at a bar in Frederick, Maryland. Now, this particular bar just so happened to be a very white establishment. Uh, Not that black people weren't allowed or anything, but they just didn't really go there. And uh, I've also been to Frederick a few times. Not a ton of black people. Uh, Anyway, uh, but yeah, he was at a a white people bar. So anyway, now, Daryl played piano, and afterwards, he was approached by a man who was very impressed by his skill. And he said he had never heard a black man that could play like Jerry Lee Lewis before, and at this point, Darrell informed him that Jerry Lee Lewis was actually learned his style of playing from black musicians and This guy didn't believe him at first, but it led to a long and stimulating discussion during which, at some point, this guy reveals he's a member of the Ku Klux Klan. So, these two become friends, and um, eventually, Daryl decides he wants to interview some more members of the KKK and write a book about what he finds out. So, this friend passes along the information of some of their leaders. The first one he chooses to speak with is Roger Kelly, who was the Grand Dragon of Maryland at the time and went on to be Imperial Wizard. If that sounds confusing and you're double-checking to make sure you didn't just switch over to a D&D podcast, those are both terms used by the KKK to establish rank. And they are all very colorful. So, to break it down, uh, I believe Imperial Wizard is like the president of the KKK for the whole country. And then the Grand Dragon is like a governor. And then the mayor is what's called an Immaculate Cyclops. So... I guess these early racists who made up the terms were mythology nerds as well. I don't know. So anyway, Daryl has his secretary, who was a white lady, set up this meeting over the phone. So Roger Kelly had no idea that he would be meeting with a black man. He just knew he was doing an interview for a book. And they arranged to meet at a hotel room in Frederick, Maryland. So when Roger Kelly showed up with his bodyguard, a.k.a. a grand nighthawk, things are immediately tense. The first thing that Daryl did was ask for Roger's ID, which he provided, and Daryl then told him that he knows where he lives now. And since they'd been in communication, I guess Roger already knew where Daryl was located, so Daryl was just letting him know they were on even footing in case anything in this meeting went sideways. It's a very powerful way of saying a lot without saying much. I remember my principal in high school, Mr. Dull, he told us this one time, uh, just, just for context on what Mr. Dull was like, uh, you can basically just picture Michael Scott from The Office. Just a fun guy to be around, always cracking dad jokes, laughing at them the loudest. Good times. <laughs> anyway, uh, this guy gave us some advice once to use for the streets, because I guess he was about that life at some point. I didn't ask questions, but I'll take his word for it. Uh, And he said, one of the things people often try to say to intimidate somebody is, you don't know me? And it's true. Like, it's in songs and everything. Get back. You don't know me like that. Anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, he said, if anyone ever tries that on you, the best thing that you can say is, oh, yeah, I do know you. I know where you live. The implication being that if anything were to happen now, even if things don't go my way in this altercation, I may potentially have a group of friends that I could call up and say, hey, this guy's messing with me. We need to take care of it. And they will all come back to your place of residence and settle things however they see fit. So that's kind of what Daryl was implying when he checked the ID. Gangster move on his part, if you ask me. So after that, uh, you know, tense moments so they get to talking about why roger thinks that black people are inferior and roger made the argument that there was scientific evidence saying that blacks are less intelligent and more prone to violence you know one of the most important things daryl said about how he handled himself was he didn't get mad at him because he didn't know that he was wrong that's a very important thing that a lot of people don't do enough when engaging in these Facebook debates. They bring emotion into it and think, oh, my God, how could you even think that? What a piece of shit. I can't even talk to this person. No, instead, he dissected Roger's arguments and broke them down with logic. Like, he cited a statistic saying that uh, the, va- the uh, Roger said uh, he he cited a statistic saying the vast majority of drive-bys and carjackings in southeast washington dc were done by people of color and daryl's like yeah because that's who lives there i mean you can make any argument if you want and just nitpick the evidence you want to make your point he goes i'm not violent am i have been very calm this whole time even though you've said some pretty inflammatory things and roger's like well yeah but that's because your violence gene is latent And Daryl goes, well, you know what? If you say black people have a violence gene, then white people have a serial killer gene. Name three black serial killers. I'll wait. And he waited. Well, no, here, I'll give you one for free. And he did. I don't remember the name now because to make his point, I can't think of one. He's like, can you name two? How about just one? And then the guy finally, Roger finally says, well, you know, that's ridiculous. I'm not a serial killer. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just because your gene is latent. So they went back and forth like this for a while. Meanwhile, Daryl's recording the whole thing on a tape recorder. And he keeps stopping to switch out the tapes throughout the conversation. And every time he does, this Nighthawk guy reaches over and puts his hand on his gun. So they really believed in that latent violence gene. They weren't taking any chances. Neither of them fully let their guards down the whole time. In fact, at one point, uh, when Daryl was reaching into his bag to get one of the tapes he heard a a little just a little noise that startled him like a and he thought immediately that it was the sound of the hammer being pulled back on the gun or something and he couldn't see because he was like bent over to get the tape out of his bag and just immediately he dove over the table and grabbed Roger's hands and they both just stood there staring at each other for a second before Roger goes what are you doing Daryl goes, I heard a noise, I thought it was the gun. He said, no, that wasn't me, I thought it was you. Turns out, it was just the ice bucket settling in the hotel room. The tension was so thick that things were just ready to pop off like that at any minute. Uh, so anyway, after they settled down from that, the conversation continued a little while longer, and uh, the two stayed in communication. And Eventually, after spending so much, some time with, so much time with Daryl and learning how smart he was, Roger realized hey you know maybe this racism thing really is bullshit so they became great friends in fact Daryl made him the godfather to his daughter later on in life so Roger was the one who started getting him into the KKK rallies and gave him the robes he needed to sneak in and everything. And Daryl said that aside from being racist, they were actually fun little gatherings. Like they'd all get together, you know, someone would get up and say a few words, and they'd all break off and eat hot dogs and hamburgers after. And that's when he would just hang out and talk to people. And just by doing that, over the course of time, Kelly and over 200 other members of the KKK left because of the influence that Daryl had. Just by interacting with them, showing kindness... And understanding and being his most genuine self he was able to change people's minds about beliefs that they had held their entire lives so how exactly did he pull it off what are some tips that we can take away from this that we can apply to our own lives well uh, here are some of the basic guidelines he laid down in the podcast he said that no matter how extreme the opposition If they're willing to sit down and really talk with you, you can plant a seed. He said that if you spend five minutes with your worst enemy, you'll find something in common. And once you've established that connection and planted the seed, you need to nurture that seed. Keep talking to that person, nurture the sense of community. And as the friendship continues to grow, those perceived differences will continue to shrink. The most important thing that you have in this or any endeavor is your credibility. You have to maintain your character. Continue to stay in those hard conversations without lashing out. Be honest about how you feel, but don't let it overtake your thinking and corrupt your judgment. I know that this is the hardest part for a lot of people. Like It's so easy when scrolling through Facebook to see something that opposes your viewpoint think, Oh my goodness, what? who could think that way? What a monster... Uh, instead, that's all the more reason that you should talk with those people. You know, understanding that we're all human and have the same innate desires at our core is the first step towards healing that massive risk, rift that divides us. Sometimes the things that you push away in life will continue to keep showing up until you've learned to accept and deal with them properly. Sometimes what you most want to find will be found where you least want to look. And sometimes, it's at the darkest part where you'll find the brightest light. And if a black man can sit down and have a chat with a lifelong, unashamed racist, you can definitely have a friendly chat with someone from an opposing political party. Just try to be a little nicer to each other, okay? We're all cooped up inside with nothing else to do. Let's not take it out on each other. And if you're listening to this in the future, when the quarantine is all over, uh, you could probably still stand to be a little nicer to the people you disagree with. Uh, Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and really got something useful out of it. I hope you enjoyed this more structured format. Uh, If you did, please subscribe for more and share with a friend who you think might dig it. Share it with your mom. Share it with that person who's been posting memes on Facebook that you know are passive-aggressively directed towards you to bait you into a comment war. Maybe it'll be a nice conversation starter. Who knows? In any case, thank you so much for listening, and remember, until next time, if you mind your mind, then your mind won't mind. So mind your mind. Mind.